Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. Listening to episode 28 of Fatalists, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl. My name is Dave, and sitting across the table, as always, to slice into this week's episode. Welcome, Wayne. What up, Dave? Ah, all right. It's uh, been a good week so far. Weather here on the East Coast, or at least in the Middle Atlantic, has been crazy. Uh, snow and ice yesterday, 68 degrees today. Crazy. Well, that's that's life in Maryland for you, dude. You, you cannot predict the weather at this place. Yeah, people talk about why everybody panics at the sound of the word snow, and that's exactly why. You know, the weather guys predict, oh, we might get you know three or four inches, and we get fourteen, and so yeah, which didn't happen this time. This time they said we we're gonna get three or four, and we got hardly anything, and people still panicked. So, but other than that, everything going great. Yeah, everything's going great. You know, I actually, uh, there's a couple shows, new shows that I've uh, started watching, and one looks pretty good, and one looks like complete crap. Okay. So I, the, I... the one that looks like complete crap, is is that the one that I sent you the link for? No. Oh, okay. That's pretty bad. You, that. that one didn't even make the <laughs> that, complete that crap make list. Consideration. Okay. Um, I understand from what's the first five minutes what you're interested, but okay. uh, man, uh, okay. So I'm not even going to. And that goes along with uh, what Michael has always said is that, you know, fortunately in the future, tank tops for women are one yeah, thing the, that survive. The, the sports bra apparently yes, never yes. goes out of style. Yes, so absolutely. As, as it shouldn't. It really should. It's a very right. useful. Right. Piece well, we'll of leave clothing. the name of that show out. Uh, yeah, we'll, again, shocking. We'll, we'll agree to disagree a little yeah. bit. So anyway, so what are you watching? So, okay, so I'll start with the bad. And the bad would be Ripper Street on BBC America. Okay. It yeah, is bad. Yeah, my wife mentioned that that might look good, but. Yeah. Well, you know what it is, is it's Copper. Okay. Which I watched all, like, Copper had like, what, like six episodes or something. So I watched all six. And it was like, okay, it was, Copper was okay. Yeah, because you were think... talking about that a few months ago on the podcast. Right. right. Yeah. And I don't think I'll, I'll watch season two of Copper. But, though, you know, it's like one of those things where that you you look back at it and I see the trailers and everything. I'm like, well, you know, maybe I'll give Copper another time. You know, I, I I gave it a full season one watch. I was not terribly impressed. So now comes Ripper Street, which is basically Copper. It's the same freaking show, except now the guys have thick English accents and I can't understand the word that they're saying. No, they're both BBC? Yeah, both okay. BBC America. Um, so... And and the, the the plots are just convoluted. Like things, ha like this was my big problem with Copper, is things would just happen, and you're like, what? Where did that come from? You know, it didn't really make any sense, and the the narrative structure of it was was pretty bad. And then here's another show. So I watched the first two episodes. I watched last night. I watched the second episode of of Ripper Street again, and then I was like, you know, I'm done. I'm I'm not putting any more into this. You know, uh, because you know we got Community is uh, season. No, is that the good? Uh, the, the what? You no, said, well, that's not good one. because I haven't okay. seen it yet. But the new season community is coming up on like February seventh, I think, is the premiere date for the new season. And so, everyone, if you're you know, even if you're not a fan of community, DVR it, watch it, do something, get out there, go on Twitter, uh, try and make it happen. Let's save community because the show really is worth watching. That's my little plug. The good though would be the following. Oh, with Kevin okay. Bacon. 
which obviously anything premiering in January, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, what they did is they needed something, you know, once Fringe was done. It's not right. in Fringe's slot. Yeah, yeah, right. But still, you know, like, okay, Fox is thinking, all right, well, once Fringe is going to get done, we're, you know, we need to pick up that audience with something. And uh, so I, I went into it with not high expectations, except for, you know, I, mean, I, I like Kevin Bacon as an actor. Yeah, He's sure. Philadelphia boy, just up the road, a, a click here from uh, from Baltimore. Um, so, you know, I didn't have high expectations for it, but I, I, I liked season one. And the guy who plays the baddie is James Purefoy. I did you see uh, the HBO series Rome? Mm, some of the first season, but okay. not really. Well, he plays Mark Antony in Rome, and he's like the great, he's the best character in, in the, the whole thing. I mean, he's really magnetic. And he does a pretty good job as this bad guy who is like, you know, a serial killer who's in jail, but he's got his followers. That's why it's called the following, because he's in jail, but like he's got all these like kind of acolytes almost that are committing the murders still while they're out there. So they're really, Kevin Bacon plays the guy who brought him down in the first place. And now who has to come back? Like the FBI does a, you know, pull him in as a special deputy, whatever. And, uh, and he's got to try and, uh, and catch all these people who are his followers. So it is, uh, you know, it's pretty good. I like it so far two episodes in and and I'm enjoying it. It's actually, it's, it's really, it's, you know, it's uh, suspenseful, and it's got some genuine shocks. Like, there's one time, uh, I won't, if you want to watch I won't say it, because it's a, it's a genuine scare. You're like, wah! You know, like, and that's that's cool. I like that. So, Well, you know, up. like you said, I mean, the, the, the trend is for shows that begin in January, there's usually not a season two, but you got Kevin Bacon, and, and certainly he's a, you know, he's a major star. So... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm no. not throwing my heart into it. Okay. Yet. Well, I did read an article. Now that you mention it, a, a couple of weeks ago, might have been in the Baltimore Sun, but he was talking about the fact that he never really even considered television until his wife, um, who her show is the closer, and now I, her name escapes me. But uh, anyway, uh, which has been a, a very you know popular show on cable, and and I guess it you know suddenly seemed like maybe not such a bad thing to do it's probably like a 13 episode run and and yeah so well good maybe the the movie offers are drying up a little bit yeah, you know, yeah. he is i mean the thing is great because we're used to seeing kevin bacon be very pretty sure and he's not in this show i mean he's he's supposed to look haggard and and a guy who life is kind of chucked around a lot and he really looks the part and he's really doing i mean he's he's a really good actor in the first place you know i, I really do like his stuff even footloose um, but uh, but he's doing a great job of playing a, a part that is really kind of against his normal character type. Oh, Kira so. Sedgwick. Kira Sedgwick. That's, that's his, his wife. Yeah. You see, you would think I would know and I didn't look that up on IMDb. It actually just came to me. Yeah. There's a, a fun fact about Kevin Bacon, because he grew up in Philadelphia, and uh, actually, I guess, Love Park in the middle of Philadelphia, they're, the kids were skateboarding there, and the city was cracking down. So kind of protest of that into like kind of uh, – in support of the kids, um, Kevin Bacon's grandfather, who at the time was like 90 years old, rode a skateboard through Love Park. So how do I know this? Because last summer we went up to Philly and did one of those double-decker red bus tours um, of the city. And, and every time we went by Love Park, they, they mentioned that story. So every time I see Kevin Bacon, I can just see an old man on a skateboard skating through Love Park. Which is, right. yeah. yeah, well, good for him. I mean, for me... <laughs> Uh, it's just been the two the two A's, Andromeda and Arrow, and it's a good thing you reminded me last week that Arrow was coming back. So uh, another awesome episode. And yeah, you uh, saw the Ben Browder one. 
I did. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. So that's uh, certainly, you know, exciting news. And actually, we've got a little bit of, you know, arrow news in the okay, news tonight. Yeah, you mentioned this, and I said, save it for the show. Yeah. I, I want to be genuinely... Yep. Um, and then, of course, Andromeda, which just just continues to blow me away. It's just I sit down and I watch one, and the next thing I know, I've watched four, and I've uh. got to get up and change the DVD. <laughs> so, uh, you know, really looking forward to that. Um, actually, I've been looking over my shoulder for the mailman because I'm waiting for season three uh, in the mail. I, mean, but, I, have to, I think I have to borrow this over the summer. Not now. I yeah. Just, but uh, but over the summer, I think maybe I'll borrow Andromeda. That's, yeah. a, that's another big commitment. There. Yeah, not on Netflix or... Okay, because season one, I think I told you I watched it pretty much on YouTube, right? And then uh, got you know tired of that, so just sprung for you know had the points on my credit card. Yeah, I can't imagine it's probably not too much. You can probably get um, it it's not too bad. It's it's uh, you know through Amazon. Yeah, I mean I can you can get like I think Fringe seasons like three or four or they sell for like fifteen bucks. Or yeah, something, well, so. it's a little more than that, but oh really? It's, Trust me, it's well worth it. You okay. know, twenty-two episode seasons, like you said, though. All right. All right. Well, anyway, why don't we uh, do a little bit of news? Unless right, you got anything it. else? Uh, no, I think that's it. Wait, all right. Well, on, let me check. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Okay. All right. So uh, <laughs> now uh, we need to finally get to talk about some numbers for uh, for our show. So Sci-Fi Monday, which basically boils down to Continuum at eight o'clock, Being Human at nine o'clock, and Lost Girl at ten o'clock. Yeah, they shook it up because at first they had Continuum was running the uh, was taking the tail end of that. They're right. starting off with well, I mean, being human, right? Well, no, Lost Girl's always been at ten, and I mean they really right. have to put. I mean, because of the three, it's it's you can't you can't yeah, have I mean, that. You can't, you can't have kids seeing that, man. No, no. So, uh, but anyway, the numbers have been pretty strong in in uh, you know week two. Um, Subterfanian drew one point zero seven five million viewers. Uh, for a 0.4 share and basically what a 0.4 share just you know if you look at a 1.0 that equals 1.265 million viewers in the 18 to 49 adult range okay so a you know a 0.5 would be half of that and you know while a 0.4 doesn't seem like much for a cable show that's pretty good so you know they're over a million uh in week three lost girl um Basically the same, drop down, you know, like 20,000 to 1.05 million, again, a 0.4 share. And uh, Being Human has been the strongest of the three, which is kind of weird in that, you know, I guess people are watching Continuum, then it goes up for Being Human a little bit at nine, and then drops down just a little bit. So, I mean, they're they're all, you know, but we don't have any of the, you know, the right. plus seven numbers. Yeah, like I said, I mean, for a show on at 10 o'clock at night on a Monday, I mean, those those numbers aren't even real numbers because how many people are gonna how many how many people are um, you know DVRing that and it's right. gonna be probably a lot more than are watching it at, at the right the and time. we we clearly don't have access to the books for the Sci Fi Network and the Showcase Network in Canada but you know I mean it seems to be something that if Showcase is going to continue to produce it and the numbers they're getting in Canada seem to be you know really strong for those two shows. Um, and then sci-fi buys it, you know, everybody, right. everybody's happy. And everybody's I think, it's, you know, they're right. at, at acceptable numbers. Now, speaking of numbers, CW's Arrow, the first year show based on the DC comic book character, Green Arrow, continues to do well, 3 million plus viewers each week. And it's been going up and down 3.7, 
you know, then maybe 3.1, then it jumps up. So it's, it's been pretty, pretty strong. Now, it's got a lot going for it, including a contrast. And this is, you know, for me, and I, I think you probably would agree, there's this contrast between the fact that the hood typically operates you know, during the darkness of the evening, and then that's contrasted with the opulence within which he lives during the day as the somewhat reformed billionaire Oliver Queen. Now, I don't think it's campy at all, do you? No, yeah, no, not at all. And, and that was one no. of my great fears. In fact, it, it's it's really a dark show a lot of the time, which I really like. Features strong characters, including Katie Cassidy, who I didn't know was the daughter of David Cassidy. Oh, the, is that his sister? N- no, Katie Cassidy. David, Ca- do you know, even know who? Da- I, I know who David Cassidy. Okay, I'm trying to think who would be. His this is his daughter. Okay, so and that's Laurel. Oh, yes. Okay, so Laurel. Well, I knew it had to be one of the younger right. people. Like, so that's, I, I thought you were going to bust out and tell me it was yeah. the mom. I'm like, wait. Okay, and then, of course, we know Captain Jack Harkness. Uh, John Barrowman has, has been playing a major role. Yeah, man, right? he's 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 just bad to the bone, dude. He's, yeah. Which is weird because I actually wanted to say something about it because it's so hard to, to, to wrap my mind around that at first. And that just shows you John Barrowman's, uh, you know, his the, the acting skills there because – you know, Captain Jack is like everyone's one of pretty much everyone's favorite, like not doctor character. I would say a lot of people would like, even my son who's ten, who's now watching Doctor Who, he's Captain Jack. He's like, Woo, Captain Jack. You know, like he's just like the greatest character, right? And he's like a super good guy. So then you go and you watch, you know, Arrow and he's like a super bad guy. And it's like, man, that's hard to wrap my mind around it, but yep. he pulls it off though. Yep. So yep. Yeah. And then of course what sci-fi fantasy supernatural show would be complete without Roger Cross, who's got a recurring role in this. He's got a role as Travis Verita in Continuum. Which well, he had a role. I don't think well, you know what? Uh if if you've been looking at the tweets on the set of season two. Oh yeah? Which I try to Yeah, I try to stay away, but unfortunately Michael he won't let me. Um just tell but, him, stop just say stop it. I know. Right. Friends don't let friends tweet. And Alex Kingston, known to most sci-fi fans as River Song from Doctor Who, will be joining the cast to play Laura Lance's mother. Wow. Yeah. So That's uh, huge. Right. Oh, you know what? Now I'm thinking about this. I think you did tell me this before, like ages ago. Oh. Because what I'm thinking now, I seem to recall saying is that, oh, does that mean she's not going to be on Doctor Who again? Yeah. But then, then you told me that she was on... CSI or something like that. Right. Or, see, we NCIS. had this conversation. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. So deep now. in the fog, I remember, but right. still awesome. I mean, right. that's so be, then, that's gonna be great. Uh, and I don't think we mentioned this uh, on the podcast yet. I get this urgent email from Wayne, uh, maybe a week or so ago at work, and I'm thinking like stupidly that it might actually be about work. Like, oh, maybe our boss got transferred or whatever. But yeah, no. but no, the news that J.J. Abrams is nearing a deal to leave the world of Starfleet and head to a galaxy far, far away. Because, you know, I mean, it was, geez, what, a month ago where he came out and said, no, he, you know, he he can't do both. He feels like it would compromise what he's trying to do with Star Trek. And, you know, he has too much respect for for both franchises. Yeah, I was going to say, so what do you think changed his mind? Um, Anyway. That would be my suspicion. Though J.J. Abrams has gone on record as being a huge Star Wars fan. Right. uh, And, 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 you know, for for, I think for fans, it's 
it's a win-win situation because we love both franchises. So whichever one he's attached to is going to be great. And whichever one he's leaving, which obviously in this case, it's going to be started, they'll find somebody good. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, or maybe he can just find a way to do both. It's not like he has fringe to do anymore. So, uh, and, yep. and probably won't have revolution if NBC has their way. So he's got a pretty clear plate, I think. Yep. Now, uh, last thing, you know, we we had development season going on in the fall, and that's where, you know, various shows are in development and then the ideas are being pitched to the networks. And now we're entering the 2013 pilot season. So that, you know, now these are shows that they, you know, they made the first cut. They got out of the development season and now the pilots haven't been made. There's been no commitments, but you know, these are some of the ones that actually are on the table. So first from the CW, and I'm just going to hit a couple. From the CW, a show called The 100. And the uh, the premise- I like it. I'm going to watch it. Uh, 97 years after a nuclear war has destroyed civilization, a spaceship housing the lone human survivors sends 100 juvenile delinquents back to Earth to investigate the possibility of recolonizing the planet. It's based on the forthcoming The 100 book series- and uh, written by Cass Morgan. So <laughs> the books aren't even out yet. Apparently, the books are not even out. The yet. books. See, that is like when you really made it as an author when the book is even out and you've already got the right. TV deal. Right now, there's no commitment, you know. But so, so we're. Well, that does sound pretty boss. You have to admit. Yeah. Okay. Now the other one that the CW is looking at is called Oxygen. Passion and politics threaten the peace, and an epic romance ignites between a human girl and an alien boy when he and eight others of his kind the Orion 9, are integrated into a suburban high school 10 years after they and hundreds of others landed on Earth and were immediately consigned to an inter, uh, internment camp where they've been imprisoned ever since. So that's sort of like, did you watch the event no. way back? Okay, the, that, the, you know, similar overtones, although... Well, and also, what, uh, do you ever see Alien Nation, the movie or the TV show? Um... No, it's I kind of like a so. similar premise of of aliens that have come to Earth and they are trying to integrate into uh, human society. And okay, so. well, the event, you know, the government knew they were here and had them in an internment camp up in yeah, Alaska, same thing with right? alien. It's all from it's all from Alien Nation. Okay. You got you go watch go watch the movie Alien Nation is awesome. Okay, uh, the show was really good too, but go watch the movie first because it was that's you get do it this weekend. All right, now for uh, Fox a show called Delirium, based on the best-selling trilogy about a world where love is deemed illegal and is able to uh, be eradicated with a special procedure. And with 95 days to go until her scheduled treatment, Lena Holloway does the unthinkable. She falls in love. Now, most of these don't have any stars attached to them. Sleepy Hollow, okay, uh, a modern-day supernatural thriller based on the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, now, the team here... That would be a very short series. Uh, except... The team that's attached to it, Alex Kurtzman, oh. Bob Orsi, nice. who we know from Fringe, yes. uh, Len Wiseman from Total Recall. Um, so, you know, while the premise – and again, I think both of us are, you know, becoming more fond of supernatural shows. I mean, I think we both probably came from the sci-fi yep. sensibility and uh, – you know, so hey, just because of the guys that are attached to it, um, oh, yeah, it now, I mean, with those guys making it, obviously, I'm yeah. going to watch it. But you know, the uh, the original story was it was a short story, so they're probably going to have to go a little bit beyond you know that. So it'll be interesting. Those guys, I'm sure, will make quality stuff. All right. Now, speaking of uh, Fringe from Bad Robot and J. H. Wyman, an untitled <laughs> project at Bad this Robot. point. 
And the uh, premise, an action-packed buddy cop drama set in the near future when all LAPD officers are partnered with highly evolved human-like androids. And we've got J.H. Wyman from Fringe, uh, executive producer, J.J. Abrams, Brian Burke. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, none of these have commitments yet, but they have made it out of the development stage and into uh, the 213 or 2013 pilot season. So, oh, cool. you know, well, we'll good, see. Good luck to those, uh, to those shows. Yeah. And uh, that's it for the news on my end. Okay. So this week, and I think I maybe remembered last week as well. Uh, this is the point where we listen to Wayne project X, and he's going to talk about, you know, some of the major Faye characters from this week's episode. Yep. So take it away. Uh, just one this week, but uh, actually, I would like to start off with some uh, a brief mea culpa. A couple things about last week, actually. Uh, going back and looking at the story of the New York alligators, I said last week that uh, some guy in the early 30s went through and found tons of two foot long alligators in the sewers and went through and cleared them out. And upon further investigation, it looks like the guy. Who uh, who said he did that? Kind of totally, probably made up the whole story. So, the idea that really that we're ever an infestation of alligators in New York's uh, sewers is completely spurious. So, uh, again, if you're in the sewers, you're all right as far as alligators are concerned. <laughs> all right. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> the next one. This is interesting because last uh, last Friday I was uh, taking my son and his buddy to a hockey game. And they're, they're on their little iPods in the back, and they start saying, oh, yeah, Slenderman. Slender, I'm like, I'm like, what? Slenderman? I'm like, no, you're not supposed to be watching Lost Girl. <laughs> like, he's like, no, it's a it's a video game. Really? Called Slender, which is uh, it stars the, the bad guys, this super creepy guy with super long arms and everything. So, uh, he, so it's a villain that has long arms and no face. So, you know, kind of like... So, uh, you know, I was wondering where they got that Slender Man. And, you know, obviously the people of Lost Girl knew something that I didn't, that there was this popular video game with 12-year-olds that uh, involved uh, this creepy dude. So there you go. That was just a, a moment of realization. Of a whole generation of uh, 12-year-old boys yeah. surreptitiously DVRing Lost Girl. <laughs> exactly. It'll be like, it's the new, uh, it'll be the new, uh, you know, Playboy between your mattress That's or something right. like that. You know, uh, Lost Girl on your iPod. So, moving on to this week, then, uh, the only thing I really want to talk about is the Valkyrie, which uh, 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 Tamsin (laughs) reveals to us that she's a Valkyrie, and I'm sure we'll talk about there there is obviously some terrible secret that that she has. Well, even she says, I'm not sure what that is. Right, exactly. (laughs) But there's something that she she is burdened with something that they write in the poems, and then they, they eat and everything. Uh, they don't remember it anyway, but we we learn from that that there is something. So anyway, so the Valkyrie were uh, female figures who, after a battle, they they decide uh, which soldiers die in battle and which live, and then from those who die, they take half of them and uh, bring them to Valhalla, which is the the uh, where which is Odin's like heaven. Uh, the other half go with, uh, I believe Odin's wife, Freya, takes them to uh, Volkvanger, Volkvanger, which is the other heaven. So, 
And uh, there's actually this uh, this guy, Britt Murray Nystrom, says that, uh, you know, still we must ask why there are two heroic paradises in the old Norse view of the afterlife. It might possibly be a consequence of different forms of initiation warriors, where one part seemed to belong to Odin, the other part to Freya. These examples indicate that Freya was a war goddess, and even she, had, she even appears as a Valkyrie, literally the one who chooses the slain. So... I don't know what that means, but you know, it's like you know. Now, wasn't it was it the Tom Cruise movie where he's right? Well, Valkyrie. that the the right, the and movie did that have to do with the, the assassination. The, of there was the the name of the operation to the failed assassination on um, on Hitler's was codenamed Valkyrie. Okay, was Operation Valkyrie? That's that's deciding real. who's going to live and die. Right? Exactly. Maybe that's... right. Right. Um, you know, it was uh, the the song the, the song of the Valkyrie like. Dave, you know what I like? You know what I love, actually? Aside from Labatt's Blue? I, I love Labatt's Blue, but I also love the smell of napalm in the morning. Ah. So we probably, most of you know the song from Wagner's uh, Ring of the Nibelungs, is the, the Ride of the Valkyries, the song they play in that uh, you know that classic scene from Apocalypse Now with the, uh, the choppers coming over yep. the horizon playing the song. Um, so in that, uh, the... the, the in in the Nibelungiad, or in uh in, in basically a lot of Norse mythology, we got Brunhilda. Is there's some questions? I guess in some versions of the mythology, she is a, uh, a a Valkyrie, and some she's not. But basically, the one thing that that is with Brunhilda, that I thought might end up being significant for uh, Lost Girl, is the fact that she's uh, stripped of her immortality. For uh, defying Odin, and she did this because she's trying to protect the hero of the Nibelungian, who's Sig- Siegfried, Sigmund, Sigmund, Siegfried. Sig- I think Siegfried and someone Sigmund. Okay. Um, so Sig something. There's, you know, I don't know why the Norse. Are, these names are weird, but uh, anyway. So uh, I, I know the one I read was Siegfried, but this says Sigmund. But uh, yeah, anyway. So she, you know, she's protect. She's aligns herself with the humans, and for this, she's punished by being forced to become a human. So, mm. is that might that play in? Possibly, is she something? being punished for something, and that's why she's part of this uh, light dark. Well, there's this. Detente. It seems like she is being punished, right? I yeah. mean, the Morrigan says, "Oh, my three favorite people," like, and she's including her own girl, right? right. There's a dark fae in there, so she's obviously got issues. With uh, Tamsin, just as she does with with uh, Bo and Dyson, so um, it'd be very interesting, uh, you know, how they kind of move Tamsin's character forward. Uh, this episode, I like that a lot. All right, good. Well, at least they move something forward. Oh, all right. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into it. This one, we're gonna get into it. Okay, it's on. All right, so let's take a look at this week's episode, and that would be episode three, Confagion. It was written by James Thorpe and directed by now, who's actually really starting to direct a lot of these, is uh, Paolo Bartsman. Yeah, uh, Caged Vey, I believe he did. And uh, yes, okay, and then you know, of course, the, the iconic my still my favorite one that he did is the um, you know, a baromet's trick pressure, yeah. All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and get to it because you know, we've been disagreeing on 
just about everything these days. So what'd you think? <laughs> Maybe it's just the, the time of year, you know, it's just, it's, it's cold. It's, 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 it's crappy out, you know, maybe we're just big grumpy, grumpy old men. You know, I don't know, <clears throat> but I really liked this episode. And here's what I go. Like, this is, I guess this is what I, I kind of based on. I, I told you about when, you know, Jay Firestone's name comes up, which is always, you know, the very end. That's his, is the first name that comes up. And if I say, really? Then I think, well, that's good. That's a good episode because it's going quickly. And I can't believe, unlike when I was watching uh, Ripper Street, where I was like, when the hell is this episode going to end? I couldn't believe it was only an hour. I was like, it seems like I've been watching this thing for like three hours. It's dragging out. It's just awful. So that's another reason why. Sorry, people who make uh, Ripper Street. I, I'm sorry to be tearing into your show so much, but you're the ones who made it suck, not me. So anyway, so I mean, just I. I liked it. I was kind of surprised when you didn't like it, but we'll, we'll find out why. Well, you know what? I mean, I think what I have to, I guess, come to terms with is that this show is not one show. And by, and by that, I mean, I really like the end of season two because I really like the, the darkness of it. I like the seriousness of it. And that's not what Lost Girl is all the time. Right. And this was a very lighthearted episode. And, and, and it was very lighthearted. And actually, season three has been somewhat lighthearted. And, and, and certainly, you wouldn't call it dark. And, and I think I just have to come to grips with that. Well, I think there's certainly some dark. I mean, the subterfania was pretty dark. I mean, I'm not saying that just because like, it was underground. A lot of the sets were underground. Right. But it was a pretty... You know, I mean, there was like, some, you know, the, the Holocaust kind of imagery that was in there and um, and the, uh, the, you know, the guy whose wife. And, right. And but I guess I, I would look and, to the resolution that that, you know, Hale, you know, had really positive plans for them so that it, that we felt like it was going to turn out OK. But I think I, just, I would say out of the, yeah. what we've seen so far, that's probably that one I would consider fairly dark. All right. Now, and, and so I get that. And that's that's something that I just have to you know, come to grips with. But the other thing, I guess I just felt it was a little too original skin for me. And yeah. to the point that even Dyson brings it up in the dialogue when he mentions yeah. about, you know. How I was Kenzie. I was Kenzie. And, and I did say that, that was one thing that, that, uh, that he, yeah, he was just doing his Kenzie again. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's one thing to rip yourself off as a writer, but it's, I guess to me, it's another to be that blatant about it. So now, now the other thing, I guess I just looked at the humor. What I would say is it didn't serve a purpose, although I guess many would argue that, well, what do you mean? It was funny. That's the purpose, that it was funny. And and it was. I mean, I certainly laughed through a lot of this shit. Yeah, this I, the second time around, I laughed again. It was, it was good. So I, I guess I keep coming back to, you know, the – the worm or the, the, uh, you know, whatever it was was, that that infested them. You know, okay. I mean, I get that the Morgan was trying to disable Bo, but you know, at the end, I don't know. It just, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as if she was capturing Bo's preteen behavior, like on a, with a video camera to, you know, to put it on Faye TV. I mean, no, it was just, but it was to, to, because they became powerless, and then it also attracted the the pig guys. Yeah, so so she was like trying to get her killed. Yeah, a little bit there. But anyway, you know, that, so so that when I say you know it wasn't, yeah, I mean I liked it, you know that. But I guess I just have a 
uh, an affinity for the darker episodes. And and okay. and again, fair enough. You know. Um. So who do you want to talk about first? Why don't we Why don't we go with like some with some characters? Okay. Well, should we start in with the the most obvious one? You know the one I Vex? want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And and this was. I don't a, know if I want to talk about it now or save it. You know, savor it. But, well, uh, yeah. Well, let's we should just let's yeah. just jump in. I mean, right? because it was a very vex centric episode and. Uh, just really awesome. I mean, it, it's uh, you know clearly he's lost his mojo, and, yeah. and uh, well, like how you know described as, as impotence. Yes, yeah. You know, uh, you know, she's like me- mesmer it's not, impotence. Yeah, right, right. And this you is know, not unusual for Faye your age, and that's right. you know it's funny when we you know, to say it like that because obviously you look at Vex and the actor is 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 a very young man, but uh, you know Vex has been around you know Faye because they they age differently. Sure. He's been around forever so he's you know apparently actually quite old right well it finally comes back to answer that question i think that that we had uh i believe it was last week's episode but when they were in the club and if you remember the uh the alligator guy and he puts his hand up and we even talked about you know did he yeah well clearly he didn't have any power nothing was happening right they had to pull the knife out yep um yeah so it, it it is it's you know it's it's kind of frustrating not frustrating, sad, I guess, but funny at the same time, uh, because obviously they they play it for a lot. And they, and I, I like because we had I had said we had said that you know, we were concerned about how his role so far in season three is he just becoming a running joke? Is he just becoming uh, the just simply a comic relief to come in, say a couple funny things, and and leave? And this one, um, they really, you know, it, it really humanized, I think, Vex quite a bit uh, in this episode. And we see a, a, a number of different aspects to his character in this. And I thought they did a great job of, of writing lines for him and everything. Yeah, I mean, he's really become sympathetic. I mean, we've always liked him, you know, maybe even liked him best when he was his most evil. But he's really become a likable character. He's, you know, I don't want to say pity, but... I mean, he he has almost become a pitiful character because of how powerful he was. Um, right. Yeah. As we said, you know, going from being this really feared character, like a guy that we saw as like being this really super scary type character, a guy who's definitely very, very, very dangerous, to now a guy yeah. who's he's yeah. like a human. Yep. So, um, all right. Well, you, you know, we see one of the the early scenes with. Uh, you know, Lauren basically doing her doctor, uh, you know, patient uh, you know, evaluation of Vex. And, you know, that was pretty funny. And basically she tells him to, you know, to, to quit whining. And, you know, he goes through his like, you know, well, the dark don't want me. The Fae don't like me. You know, yeah. what 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 am I to do? And Yeah, we see that on a number of occasions, like when he's in, in the bar and the doll and it's like, he comes up to them, they're like, no, we're not going to buy you a drink, Vex. So now he's the pathetic guy begging for, for drinks at, at, at the bar and everything. So he is really sunk. I mean, if you remember when we first met, well, not when we first met him, but when we saw him, like when he was in, like he owns the nightclub, he's in control of that, you know, this crazy nightclub and everything. And he's a guy who's like powerful guy in control. And now he's just fallen so far, you know? Right. But you mentioned, you know, that, that you know, uh, it's, going to be interesting to see what he does and and in this episode we he you know he he does take some action he steals Bo's phone that's got the picture of the morgan right takes it back to her so he's got a plan so he's back to 
really he's back to you know the Vex we know and love. Now, granted, he doesn't have his power yet, but he's working on it. So he takes that back and he figures, okay, I got it. That's going to get me back in her favor, which you know it does. And of course, she reacts to a limited that, degree, though. You right? Know, like she, not as what he expected. What she say? I, I I do look so good in restraints. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think she said I look beautiful in restraints. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah that's um, funny. but then he, you know, you mentioned the club. He, he tells her, "I want my club back, and I want a million dollars." And okay, so you know, is he softening? Um, you know, and and that's the interesting thing with this character that that you know, okay, let's say because we know he's going to get his power back. Oh sure, right. Yeah. But you know, it's an interesting scene with Kenzie when she basically gives him, yeah, now you know how the other half lives. Um, but probably my favorite scene in any, you know, any fault I could find in this episode disappears. Over the makeup scene, you know? yeah, um, yeah, that was great. It's like, dude, can we talk mascara? <laughs> you know, and and he's all excited, and he, you know, he's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yep. So like it's almost like you know, uh, you know, almost like let's talk shop about like cars or football or something. But now they're gonna talk about mascara. That yeah, was great. and it was really cool. You know, I think last week we saw the two of them in the opening scene working together. And then we see the two of them, you know, bonding. And, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about the evolving relationships in the show. And and certainly Kenzie's front and center. And that, you know, that comes up in this episode that. Right. There's even at one, I can't remember someone, you know, there was like a a hint of potential romance. I don't see any kind of romantic thing happening between Vex and Kenzie, but someone hinted at it. So, you know, might that be something we see? I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, it was great because, you know, we see Kenzie kind of picking up like the stray puppies, you know, because like Bo is kind of on her own, very independent. Uh, obviously, Kenzie helps her out a lot. Kenzie's there for her. But uh, we always see these kind of side, like she, her and, and Hale before, where they were kind of like the sidekick buddies. And then, so she then kind of also sees a kindred spirit in Vex as well. So it's really I like when they do that because I liked her and Hale together as as a as a pair and uh, and, and it was really some you know quite touching parts here with her right and well Vex. and the other thing that comes out in in you know certainly in this episode is that you know really unlike the you know the light Faye that we and, and the humans that we've you know followed he really is about himself and and you know that comes out and that you know he's the one that brings the three pigs back and but he says he he's doing it so he can go home which we assume means you know back to the dark fae uh and then you know they i guess one of the it might be the last scene he's in when he's got his bags packed and you geez he might as well have a stick with a little you know bandana over his shoulder uh (laughs) running away from home well he's he's going out to uh you know he's he's gonna go and and find himself again he's gonna go like i can't remember the places that they said he says like india vegas or something (laughs) something like that so he's gonna go wander and usually uh when people go off on big trips like this it lasts about two episodes so i'd say uh you know three episodes from now we'll we'll, uh we'll see vex again yeah and and again, that's something that Kenzie mentions, you know, when am I going to see you again and all that. And right there, you should have said eh, about three episodes. But he leaves Kenzie his ebony-handled blush brush, yeah. which... Uh, is very touching. Yeah. So, you know, it really was, you know, from a Vex standpoint, it was really a strong episode. I mean, I, I really like what they did with him. And really, for me, that was pretty much the highlight of this episode was, you know, what 
they did with Vex and how yeah, they moved his character forward. Uh, Which is probably why, I, I if, if I really were honest with myself, that's probably why I like the episode. I mean, I, I, I really do think it's a good episode. I think you're Cracker Jacks are thinking it's not. But uh, well, usually what happens here by the end of our podcast, uh, you've got me liking it a lot more than I did at the beginning. So, uh, all right, well, you know, I think the natural transition would be to go to Kenzie. Sure. And I will be the first to admit that I'm very superficial in my evaluation of shows that I watch. So, uh, but her wardrobe, while she always dresses really cool, it seems to have. you know, ratcheted up a notch almost to like, uh, you know, kind of like Chanel, like, uh, you know, a lot more sophisticated yet still. Okay. Right. Clearly by the face you're making, it's like, yeah, well, I didn't no, 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 no. I was, I was, th- I was trying to think about it. And so I'm not sure what you mean by Chanel, but like, in other words, she's wearing like more expensive clothes. That yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with you with that one. And, and, and I guess just that would be more, I guess what, what some would say, you know, a little classier, less, less trendy but still has that that style that that yeah. sets her apart you know so uh you know which is cool i you know i really like that um but what we see i guess a lot out of her is how you know it comes out that she's basically feeling left out of the whole Bo and Lauren relationship and it kind of comes to i and i don't want to say it comes to a head but you know Lauren and Kenzie talk it out a little bit yeah and it's Actually, I was thinking about this, right? Because uh, Vex says, well, "What's your problem with her?" And, and she brings up, "Well, she spy bagged Bo." Yeah. Which I love that that phrase yeah. in and of itself. Like she spy bagged her. Like I'm not sure what it means, but well, because she was, you know, when in, in season one, when the uh, the Ash sent Bo to distractor i can't remember what they were doing but they were running something and so lauren's job was to keep Bo where she was and she did that by coming back and having sex with her oh good point now right? I remember yeah and, and, and that in that episode kenzie said you know she totally spy banged you and then and then she brings it up again so i'm thinking to myself well god kenzie that happened in season one get over it and then i started thinking well wait a second let me think about the like the the timing here because you know, you think season one ends with the the ash getting blown up, and then season two picks up with her choosing a new ash. So we assume it's pretty hot on the heels of that, just maybe a couple of weeks later, right? Right. So then we go through season two, which ends with the defeat of the Gruda, and then season three starts just a couple of weeks after that. So really, the timeline between the series premiere and now is it's not very long. Like it's not like usually shows have a whole year past, you know, like a season pass and we're supposed to think, well, a whole year has passed as well, but really at the end of each season, it's only been a couple of weeks past. Right now, although in, in either the first or second episode of this season, you know, when, when Bo's being accused of killing that dark Fay, uh, I think it's Dyson says, you know, she's been feeding responsibly for two years now. So, you know, for, for what that's worth. Um, right. Okay. Well, what I'm not taking into consideration then is how much time passes within each season. So I guess to say, you know, season one is supposed to take place over a calendar year. And season yeah. two is supposed to take place over another right. calendar year. All right. Fair enough. Right. Now, so if that's the case, then Kenzie really probably needs to get over the whole spy bag thing because that right, happened right. quite a while ago. Right. But otherwise, if you think about the how little time has passed, that maybe it's really not that long ago. Well, the other thing Vex points out to Kenzie is that, you know, you don't seem to have a problem with her and Dyson, you know, and 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 you understand why he says this because, 
you know, she doesn't feel left out of, I guess, that relationship, what, what she can, you know, she can accept that he's, she's, you know, Bo, that is, is having a relationship with a man, but not with a woman. Right. And we've just seen, I think, that, that Kenzie and Lauren have never really got on, like, right from the start, because mostly they have always seen each other as, uh, as rivals for, for Bo in different ways, obviously, right. but. And Bo tells her, you know, I shouldn't have to choose between my BFF and my right. main squeeze. Right. So. Which that whole opening scene was awesome. How, I, yeah. I would like put it up there as the best opening scene of, of this show. So yeah. the opening sequence. That was, and the dialogue yeah. and that, that tracking shot where they're dragging the body and the yeah. camera just follows them from the low angle. It was just, it was, it was great. Well, well and I also liked it, you know, you know, at the very end, I think after you know, Bo and Kenzie, you know, exchange words over that. Kenzie gets in one last kick right. on, on the, you know, the yeah. ogre or whatever he was. Uh, <laughs> um, well, the other thing is we see uh, Kenzie, you know, looking for a weapon. And, you know, what's Lauren's like, well, where's your sword? Upstairs. Well, where's your knife? Uh, upstairs. And, you know, and she grabs um, the staff of righteousness. The staff of righteousness, and suddenly, you know, she's uh, pretty much going all crouching tiger, hidden dragon, um, <laughs> which, and, which was like really super cool. Oh, yeah. you know, so whoever did, you know, we probably should have looked up uh, the name of the choreographer because that 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 fight scene was just yeah awesome. And, yeah, it was great. It was like classic kung fu. Like she's doing all the moves and everything. It was it was great. Yeah, and and, and again, and you know what? A lot of them, and this shouldn't be a surprise because she you know, is a classically trained dancer. Uh, you know, it did look like, cause I, I'm looking to see, you know, is it her, or is it her stunt double? And obviously a lot of the, well, the one where uh, she flips. Yeah. Her, I think right. Probably not Casidius. No, but a lot of them were. Yeah. And, you know, again, had the, the, the posture and, and yeah, just really, really strong fight scenes. Yeah. I loved um, it. I was, I was almost sad to see her get rid of the staff of righteousness. Cause she was a pretty righteous, uh, you know, whatever, kick-ass, beater-upper of pigs. Um, well, the the other thing is, um, it's it's really kind of, it's not lost on her that while she's got the Staff of Righteousness, and by the way, what an awesome name for a <laughs> a weapon, uh, yeah. or, or whatever it is, but, the, you know, <laughs> it, it's... Nice game for a piece of wood. It, you know, it's, she has the taste of what it's like to be Faye. Sure. To what it's like to be a superhero uh, and have a superpower. And, uh, um, you know, but at the end of, uh, you know, not not to morph into uh, the Morgan, but the Morgan's line, finish off the teen trio and bring me the staff of righteousness. (laughs) Um, But, you know, so, you know, Kenzie, you know, again, I mean, I don't know if her character got pushed forward at all you know that but that she was certainly forced to admit you know whether they're jealousies or whatever but yeah well it's good that to have these things out in the open right that's what they this is actually i would say you know uh james thorpe is trying to make a play for therapy here right because if uh, they just talk it out and then everyone's cool at the end of it right yeah yeah true so um yeah, and I suppose that fight scene again. Uh, so the fight scene, the makeup scene, yeah, okay, pretty strong. So, 
So I'm starting to like it a little more. Um, <laughs> now, Lauren yeah. was a big part of this episode. We, you know, now we find out some. She just apparently went to Yale. Right. Um, Did we find out she's a, a Yale grad? And uh, we, we also all the Princeton people who were uh, watching the show immediately turned it off. Hey, my my niece goes to Princeton. All right, that's all right. Yeah. Okay. I don't think she watches the show, though. But uh, we also find out, and and again, it's under kind of vague terms, that she served in Afghanistan. So we don't know whether she served with the military, whether she served with some sort of relief organization, whether she was, you know, uh, on a job from from the ash. We don't know, but clearly she was in harm's way we can imagine so between africa afghanistan uh, graduating from yale she's got quite a storied background she does so yeah and, and obviously they're probably gonna reveal more will we have the like magnum p you remember magnum pi oh yeah went back to vietnam like yeah. that one so we're we gonna have like a you know lauren going back to afghanistan or something like that or like a whole you know, memory thing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we did have Bo going back to Africa. Remember with the, sure. uh, um, so, but, but just the, like Arthur Rambo right now, but the one thing we did see in terms of her character is we see her pretty much being the aggressor sexually in, in the, uh, you know, to the point where even Bo's like, you know, I, I got work to do. Uh, yeah. I'm tired, honey. Come on. Right. Cause we Bridge saw, is on. We saw, <laughs> we saw the opposite, you know, while Nadia was still alive, right. uh, where she was the aggressor. But, uh, you know, the... Uh, but I, I think there's also in this one a lot of references. A number of characters refer to their basic incompatibility. Kenzie talks about Ray at first, where she say it's like... Uh, yeah, you know, she's like, no, so I still see so you're you're still healing there. And she's like, yeah, I'm healing. And she's like, slowly. What is that like trying to charge an iPod with a hamster wheel? You know that <laughs> that. Uh, so she says it at first. Vex says it as well, and someone else mentions it like you know, like three different times. Now, what words you use? Incompatibility. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's interesting because the, one of the words I wrote down was reconciliation, and it's almost like because of you know certain incompatibilities that have developed, you know, some of these characters have had to reconcile or at least, you know, make the, make the attempt. Kenzie and Lauren, obviously. Yep. Yeah, um, absolutely. Have to come to some terms. Uh, Bo and Tamsin, which we haven't talked about yet. Uh, you know, certainly we've been talking about Vex. Um, but, um, you know, anything else about Lauren you want to? Yeah. I just think that that's, that's going to be a big issue. And so does that affect, my prediction that she's gonna, you know, be off the show by the end of the season. I don't know. I'm, you know, I start thinking, is she gonna die? Die? Like, I, I certainly think this relationship is not gonna last, mm-hmm. just because already they're they're making so many references to how they are inherently incompatible. You said it last week. You know, Bo has it's not just like necessarily sexual needs, but it's like she's a succubus, and this is what she does. She she leads a dangerous life. She's gonna get hurt. She's gonna need to heal. And the hamster wheel doesn't do it, right? So she's going to find herself. But Lauren is going for the gold in the suck you games. Right. Well, then again, which is there, when I hear that, I'm like, well, what you had kind of mentioned is she's tiring her out, you know? Yeah. This whole thing is is draining Lauren. So if she doesn't die, then I'm going to amend my prediction, which I'll do when we talk about predictions. So just remind me. Well, you just say we're doing predictions now, and then that'll be a reminder. Okay. Um <laughs> Well, why don't we talk about Tamsin? We haven't, you know, now she didn't play a huge role in this, which was pretty disappointing to me because she came on 
so but I thought she had a really good role. I thought she was, I mean, they let Rachel Scarston kind of, you know, out of the box a little bit. Yeah, but I guess for for me, going from, you know, really badass in episode two to just really, I mean, really her. her but that, that's not her, though. I understand. It's but like the worm. Yeah, I understand, yeah. but uh, and she kissed Bo, which was yeah, nice. yeah, that was cool. Um, but so you know, that's an interesting thing. This whole relationship between she and Bo, and you know, where Bo has said a couple of times that you know she really feels an affinity for Tamsin, and you know, but I she certainly knows instinctively that Tamsin doesn't like her. Um, you know. To, uh, she says to Bo, "You can't help me. Nobody can." When she mentions about a Valkyrie, so you know, you, you know, you went through what the Valkyrie is. Um, Valkyrie. Va- uh, Valkyrie. Um, what does she mean? You can't help me. Nobody can. Right. What's you know? Is it again? Is is she being? You know, we, you, you mentioned earlier, is she being punished for something? Um, and you know, they're still under the influence of the worm at this point. Well, she also says something like which. I the second I, when I watched it the second time and I had already kind of looked up about Valkyrie, she said sometimes when I like people I have to make them go away. So if you remember, like what the Valkyrie does is she takes warriors right. who have died in battle and she carts them away to Valhalla. So is that what she's referring? I don't know, but I, I mean I think it is. It must. I mean there, there's obviously going to be a connection between that and, and that statement that she made there. But there's one thing that I don't, I don't know if you caught it. But uh, when Bo first passes the worm to Dyson, okay, and uh, like like he's sitting at the bar next to Tamsin, and uh, and they're like, oh, you know, they're like, oh, I think he likes me, I think she likes me, you know, and so Bo waves at him, and he like does a little kind of silly wave back, and in the background you see Tamsin, and she just turns around, and she has this look on her face, this grimace. That is freaking hilarious. And she hasn't man. been infected yet at this point. Right, she hasn't right. been infected okay. yet. So she looks, she's just like, let's disgust the look. You got to go back and see it. If you, if you didn't notice it, go back and look, because it is it is a riot, dude. I was like crying when I saw it. It's The, the look she gave him was priceless. It was awesome. Um, All right, well, you know, again, I, I don't even know why I bother saying I didn't like the episode so much, because now... um. Well, you're hoping that one time I won't like it too, and so you'll be confirmed. That yeah, good I'm, point. I'm too enthusiastic when I like well, something. Well, you, know? uh, you know, okay. I mean, clearly the scene is funny when when all three are now infected and they're all acting like they're not. You can't even really say teenagers. I mean, they're almost like preteens, like yeah. you know, maybe thirteen, fourteen at, at most. Um, and you know, the spin the bottle. Uh, is it Lauren that comes in and says, are you playing spin the bottle? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then let's get it over with. Um, Straight from the ground. I'm lost and I'm found. I'm on the hunt. I'm after you. I sent it up sound. I think I screwed up the lyrics. I'm lost and I'm found. And I'm hungry like the wolf. Okay. So. Uh, I was a big. Duran Duran fan, yeah. Back. Oh, oh, but I, I was that age actually. So well, you know what? It's funny because Duran Duran, it, it, it's uh, it's one of those that you know I liked them at the time. Um, I got into them because my wife's younger brother was like in high school and or, you know early in college, and but it's a band that I came to appreciate much later, and and oh, I just love them. I mean, John Taylor, the bass player, is just yeah, 
just killer. Yeah, Power Station too. Oh, man. Did you ever hear oh, that? Yeah, record? absolutely. That's that's awesome, man. The bass there is is crucial. Yep. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. I mean, really funny scene. Obviously, it, it you know it's with, with Dyson shirtless again. Sh- shocking. Really, uh, <laughs> we'll save that. Dancing on the bed. Yeah. The, the two girls, you know, really, you know, getting into the whole, you know, kind of, you know. Almost male stripperish kind of thing, except that they're still acting like preteens. Yeah. Um, and he's dancing, and, and it was, probably was very difficult for him to sing that badly. Yeah, well, he just had to really howl. Well, know, because I think most of these, I always contend that most of the actors that really make it, they all can do sure. several well, probably, things they, well. They probably had to do theater at some point. Right, part, you know, so he probably is... A pretty good singer. Sure. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and that was pretty tough. But, you know, a funny scene nonetheless. But, uh, but you know, yeah, especially with the, uh, oh, I hate this. Oh, that was an ironic purchase. And then it's like, well, a lot of these are ironic purchases. You know? And then they played Duran Duran, which I was insulted by. I'm like, what? Come on, man. Like, you know, like Duran Duran, they're, they're, they're solid, man. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, no question. Really, they might have been bubblegum pop back in the 80s, but I think they've proved the test of time. Well, I think part of the, uh, not to turn this into a uh, music critique show, but I, I think part of what Duran Duran suffered from was, I guess, what, what you could call the MTV effect and that, uh, you know, in MTV's early days, you know, the, as, as a, TV station, it was feeling its way, and you know there were a limited number of, of music videos, so that you'd see the same twenty or twenty five over and over. And, and yeah. certainly, Hungry Like the Wolf was one of the early ones. Yeah. Um, and you know, visually, it was you know really awesome. And and it's, you know, anyway, I think in retrospect, it's one of the you know they were uh, probably unfairly judged at the time. As, yeah. Well, as because they were they were you know clearly being marketed. As like kind of like a boy band, oh, good-looking guys, band, right? And uh, their music was actually more you know complex than that and everything. But I always like that video at the end when he like sits down at the bar and like the rest of the his, the band because it's like all his buddies are joining him after he's been chased through the the, the jungle by the, the the hot girl, and uh, so I, I like that coming at re-entering society and all your buddies come by and but they still got the scratch at the end, right? So, 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 you know, we don't really see anything else with Tamsin other than just really the, you know, kind of the goofiness. Yeah. Well, she kisses Bo. Did I mention that? Yeah, she did. Um, so let, let's go to, uh, again, uh, you know, I know one of your favorites and, and certainly mine too, the Morgan and, you know, she's in it enough and, and, you know, for as, as little as she's in it, she really has a pretty big impact because all of this is at her doing. And, you know, when you, and, and at the end of the, uh, episode when Hale really calls her to task for what she's done um it's you know I don't know if she's contrite but I think no, I don't think she's contrite in the least but I think she also realizes that um you know Hale's not a pushover you know he's, right. he's you know she obviously is testing him a little bit to see what he'll do as the ash and she finds out that he's you know right because it's more than just getting the picture back Right. That, oh, yeah, totally. Th- right. And th- that's just an excuse. And I guess what, if anything, it, it certainly shows about her is that the peace doesn't mean anything to her. Or, well, but, uh, you know. Is she that stupid? Well, no, but see, like, what does she say? She's like, why did everyone get so, she sounds like someone from, like, the 60s. <laughs> right? okay. Hey, man, where did everyone get so uptight, man? Just loosen up, dude. You know, um, 
But um, she's just like, yo, it used to be fun around here, you know? We used to be, you know, do, you know, used to. We well, used I think to she out. says a little raping, a little yeah, pillaging, right, right. and then right. everybody has a party. Right, you know? So she's kind of like the old guard and, uh, and, and Hale's the new guard. Well, right? that's, yeah. And, and so his, her ideas of, of what the phase relationship to the rest of the world is, is, is different than what, uh, what Hale believes in. So, um, and obviously there, there's a conflict there, but I thought it was funny. Like when everyone gets so uptight, you know, she's just like, you know, and I, I believe it. I don't think she's faking. I mean, I think that she's really exasperated. I just wanted to shake things up right here. I just want to have some fun. You know, I think she's all about that. That's why I love her so much. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, well, I'll save that for my prediction. So, yeah. All right. Um, so other than that, we don't really see her. I mean, that's, uh, you know, we see, you know, like you said, Hale's off to a good good start as a strong light. And that's pretty surprising because, you know, I don't think we'd ever say that Hale was a strong character. No, yeah, we, he was always kind of the, I mean, he was a sidekick, right? Yeah. He was always by the sidekick, the guy hanging around in the background. But like I said before, you know, like I think we see his role increasing in season two. Uh, we realize he's taking more of a leadership role. He's taking a stand against his parents uh, and... Um, and and so I, that's why I you know correctly predicted that he would be the new Ash because I, I saw that he was you know, ex, you know taking on these leadership qualities, um, not to toot my own horn or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> but I think you know this this episode really I think was really boils down to that last scene and showing, you know, yeah the Morgan because she looks great she she's it's always fun to have her on the show, uh, but I think really she was there to to offset Hale at the end there and show that Hale is now really being taking his role as ash seriously and, and that yeah. he's going to probably be a pretty good ash yeah and and let's you know it didn't occur to me when i was making my notes but okay you know we, obviously we've both gone on record uh as you know for as much as we love the first ash and there's still nobody as cool he's as the first ash cool. um you know then lachlan came along and and if, of course at first we hated him right um not I, cool but like end up being a pretty uh, yeah pretty good character right, and now you've got Hale who's you know pretty big shoes to fill I guess no matter whose shoes he's filling, um, he doesn't have that commanding presence you know we haven't seen him you know does he have the the ash compound or now of course did that blow up well where did they where did they blow up no, the, uh, that, they, the council they blew up the council of elders yeah was that. No, because the place where Lachlan was was the yeah. Ashes Digs, right? And that okay. that place, that place didn't get damaged any. Okay, so, but you're right. So he could be there. Right. We assume. Yeah, we always there. see him. We see him. You know, he comes running. You know, oh, you called me. What could? So, well, his office is in the basement of the doll, but yeah. he's doing that purposefully because that's a place where the light and dark can both come. Right, it's a way station. Uh, and so that's where he wants his ground zero to be, not in some ivory tower separated where he only sees the light fay. He wants to be down there on, on the street where he can interact with both, both light and dark. And so that just kind of speaks to what he is. And again, like I said, this this new way of, of going about it and this new uh, philosophy as far as the, the relationship between the fay and the human world. Okay. So, okay. So, so I guess when you look at it in terms of the reconciliation in this episode, you know, the Morgan and, and the Ash, right? Hale. Uh, well, I don't know if I'd say reconciliation. Well, well in other words, but, but they're, they're coming to, you know, that the, they, it's clear they've got to deal with each other 
and he's not going to be the pushover right. that she perhaps yeah, thought he would I'd be. Like establishing boundaries. Yes, yes. Um, Vex and the Morgan, obviously he's now trying to get back in her good graces. And uh, like we say, his power is going to come back, and she's going to want him, but she's going to make him squirm a little bit. Uh, Kenzie and Lauren, Bo and Tams. And, or will he? Um, See, that's the thing. Once he gets his power back, is he going to want to go back to the dark side? Well, right, and I think that's going to be a, a, a good plot point that, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the writers yeah. do, um, but because you know maybe he renounces. Oh, I guess you can't. Can you renounce? Yeah, you allegiance? know what? I don't know if I had that in my notes for last week or if I have it somewhere here. But that was a question that did pop into my mind. Can you change sides? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure yeah, there's a rule know. for it because right, they, they are. Well, off. that it's so funny because we all the time have we been talking about face society and how it's all structured with rules and. And the Morgans complain about the same thing. All these rules, you know, yeah. so... Was, well, oh, the other thing we didn't talk about, it was when Bo comes to see Hale, and he pulls out the contract. Right. He's like, I got one waiting for you. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you can't blame an Ash for trying. So, you <laughs> so know... Funny that, so that is kind of links him with the previous two Ash, is that he is still trying to get Bo to align herself with the Light Fae. Yeah. And again, it has a, he has a compelling point. I can't protect you. You're not aligned with us, right. you know? So if the Morgan's coming after you, right. I can't help you. Right. And at this Sorry. point, it seems like trick usually comes up with some trick, uh, you know, to get around. But, right. you know, again, that can only happen for so long. So, all right. So maybe I like this episode better than I thought I did. <laughs> um, but, all right. Anything else you want to? Um, I'll try I think we, we covered most of this stuff. Uh, okay. Oh, well, the, the one thing I thought was funny that, that I'm sure you noticed is when he refers to the uh, the, the three now preteen uh, Tamsin, Dyson, and Bo, he calls them uh, the Twihards. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I thought that was funny. So, okay. But then right after this, Morgan calls them, you know, three of my favorite people. And we're like, whoa, you know, why does she like Tamsin? So, you know, I think. You know, that what we kind of talked about is that this really Tamsin proving to be a woman of mystery. You know, like, what's her story? What's her deal? There's a lot to her that we see. Even though she doesn't have a huge role in this, uh, you know, we do see her in a bra, which is nice. And we also see that, uh, you know, that she's got some mysterious past or mysterious purpose or something mysterious about her that... Uh, that is probably gonna... Yeah, there's a reason she was chosen. Yeah, oh, for sure. You know, to be uh, Dyson's partner. And you're right in saying that. So it seems like part of it is like punishment. Yeah. Um, and then the, it, it's funny because the quality of her voice, I really love. It, it, it almost doesn't seem to go with her looks. And I really like that. All right. Um, why don't we go into our predictions? I'll go ahead and make mine first since uh, I've got it written down here and... I don't want to lose it. Um, you know, and again, on the one hand, I think this is like maybe a softball prediction, but the Morgan sooner rather than later is going to screw up the peace between the light and the dark. And uh, things are not going to be pretty. Yeah. Okay. That That's definitely a valid softball. And yeah. I, I wonder whether it's going to come down to her doing it deliberately or accidentally, because I don't think she was trying to, to you know, ruin the piece. Right. I, I, we case. saw it before, like in, before, in like season one. I mean, she was just as concerned with maintaining 
the peace and not having all that war, I think. But then she wasn't in season two because she was, you know, right. Messing around instead of fighting the Garuda, she was like jockeying for that love juice or something. So. Yeah. So, um, you know, so, I just think that, that, you know, obviously something's got to happen. And, and I guess in, in, in a sense, that's, we both have talked about how we really think the idea to go to a 13 episode season was a smart move, but things have to happen. Right. Right. I mean, we're three episodes in and really, really what has happened. Well, I mean, lots happened, but what we haven't seen is any kind of overall larger right. type of, except for the insinuation at the end of Subterfanian that, uh, you know, this, what, well, kind of this linking incident with Bo attacking the Dark Fae, who's now in the coma, and then uh, what What did the Dreamweaver see at the end of Subterfanian? Right. So that's kind of it. But you're, you're right. There's no, like, kind of overall mythology. So maybe they're going to drop a know. bomb on us here in episode four or I five think or probably six. probably is coming. I, I would say next episode would just be – I'm going to steal that prediction from you. Is that okay. – uh, okay. uh, that, yeah, that next episode we're going to get some – heavy movement towards the, what will be the overarching uh, conflict this season. Yeah, and I think we've got to see a major uh, role from Tamsin. Oh, for sure. You know. Yeah, no question about that, yeah. So, all right, well, that uh, sounds good. I, you know, I, I said earlier to remind me, and I can't remember what we were talking about, that what my modified uh, prediction was going to be. I think it was maybe something to do with Lauren. Um uh, that I th- okay, so all right, so I, I, I said Lauren was gonna die, and <clears throat> excuse me, I still kind of think that that might happen, but certainly by the end of this season, uh, I, I think this she's gonna be in, in big trouble where either she'll die or Bo's gonna realize that she has to break it off with her because she's killing her or something like that. So Bo's going to be forced by the decision where she's going to have to break up with Lauren and or Lauren's going to die. Okay, now that if that doesn't get us a voicemail from Docubus.com, <laughs> then nothing will. Um, and that's a plug for a great Lost Girl website if you haven't uh, been to uh, Docubus. And I, we, we have a link on the page. We've had a link there. So, you know, definitely, you know, it's geared certainly towards the relationship between uh, Bo and Lauren. Um, I have one more because I also okay. think because if that last line well if you make enough predictions one of them is bound to be <laughs> exactly. right so go it's, ahead it's a okay. classic shotgun technique okay. it, it works well at bars at, at three in the morning as okay. well uh, but if uh, you know Vex leaving he says if you if you look at my history you'd see I was a better man and so I think that when he returns in let's say three episodes that uh, he's going to still align himself with the light fate or not necessarily the light fate but with Bo and Kenzie, rather than going back to the dark fan. Yeah, because it'll be interesting because, you know, because they accepted him when he had nothing. Yeah, well, they tolerated him. I don't know if they accepted well, him. Yeah, I think Kenzie. Well, Kenzie, did, right. Kenzie you know. and, and Bo did. I, I, but, uh, yeah, not the, the light fan. So, all right, that's good. All right, well, uh, our last section of the evening, really? And uh, mine is that line. And, and, you know, there weren't really too many opportunities for uh you know distaste but uh i'm going for the gold in the suck you games the line from dr yeah, lauren that was the awkward yeah line. really 
Did yeah. you really say that? that? That's a good. That's a good. Really. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna go with that one. Uh, that just didn't. Uh, as much as I like Lauren, and as much as I liked her in this episode, you know where she's, you know, taking charge a little more. Really. But learn to be a, a team player too, you know, because you know working with Kenzie instead of being so bossy and controlling, which was Kenzie's complaint about her. Right. 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 All right. I have two really. The first one is when they're in the doll, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, Bo is sitting there with her phone hanging out of her pocket, and Vex totally bumps into her. There's no one else around. He bumps into her and takes her phone. Really, Bo? No suspicions there at all? You're not going to check your pockets? Not going to check to see if your phone is still there? And then, and then almost like a, a corollary to the really, later on, she's looking for her phone. We should think, oh, yeah, I remember when I was in the doll and there was like no one standing around me. It was totally not crowded at all. And Vex just completely bumped into me. I wonder if he took my phone. So, yeah, um, I think most 28 year old girls that that I know um, take a little more protective uh, approach to their To their phone. But, I mean, like, seriously, like, okay, when they were fighting the Garuda, like, he does the whole thing with the shot, like, oh, I'll do it. You know, like, he, he spills over, and then he doesn't end up taking the shot. So, basically, whenever something spills near Vex and he stumbles into you, I would check every one of my pockets right yeah. away. You know, and if you're supposed to take a shot, I'd make sure he takes a shot. Yep. <laughs> Second, really. Okay. So... Vex is sitting there and he's talking with the Morgan and she's basically saying, well, no, you're not going to get back all that stuff you want. You're still going to be, you know, basically my little slave. And then she gives him the alcohol, like a, a tumbler of whiskey and says, all right, now drink this and get out of here. Really? You're going to drink that? Seriously? <laughs> right. After she, in fact, right. He was the carrier, right? right. Of, the, right. of the virus. But it's like, what What about her would have you trust her at all? Why would you drink something that, especially since she, you know, takes, seemed to take an extra long time and pouring it, you know, it's like, come on, dude. Which kind of leads to my, to my uh, backup, really, which was, you know, when they see, I forget who it was that saw the worm on Vex's neck. Oh yeah, the pustule. Right, the pustule. Lauren and, and then Lauren it. takes it. They take it off, and then they're all like, "Oh, like really?" After all the things you guys have seen, <laughs> that, that, that little, little pustule, worm, yeah, bothered you, grosses you out, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> all right, well, anyway, uh, good episode. Okay, I guess I'm I'm liking it a little more than I did before. So I do. Uh, I, I bring you. That's over. what's good about these podcasts. Um, so uh, anything else? Oh, I think that's about it for me. All right. Well, you guys can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the website, fatalist.podbean.com. You can also find us on Facebook, though. Admittedly, we really haven't done much with the Facebook site. I've actually been looking at it every now and then, and I I think of like writing something down, but I think every time I write something down, it looks more pathetic because – like we're the only ones putting anything on. Yeah, there. and I do the same. You know, we're we're on Twitter as well, and and I'm usually the one that's posting on Twitter. And I it's, just I just want some friends. Well, you know, I I guess I'm trying to get into the whole mindset of of the Twitter mentality, and that unless you're a star, unless you're a celebrity of some sort, it's why would I? Why would I want to read somebody's? You know, just some <laughs> right. average guy. You know, so yeah. I mean, I've tried to make the you know the the Twitter posts 
be perhaps news related items to the show, you know, what we're planning, you know, like the, that we were planning to have. And we we let her off the hook up to now. Uh, Danielle was supposed to be with us tonight <laughs> and we'll we're going to go easy on her. At least I will. Um, didn't show. I'm, I'm, Wayne, posting, I'm posting something on Facebook. Right? Wayne texted her. We got yeah. no response. So, uh, because we were going to do the being human pilot, which, you know, we've been talking about and, you know, we are going to do it, but we did want to wait till she was in the studio with us. Uh, so what we'll, we'll just leave you with at this point is that, you know, I liked it. What about you? The being oh, yeah. human. Oh, oh being human was awesome. Okay. So that was really okay, good. So we're not going to talk. You said it started slow and I was like hooked from the very beginning. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was great. Okay, right well, from the start. We'll, we'll talk about it, you okay. know, when we talk about it, but, but yes, know when we finally do talk about it, that all three of us really liked it. So, uh, anyway, where'd we leave off? Oh, Facebook. Uh, you also, you know, if you're, uh, smartphone, uh, enabled which most of you probably are you can get us via stitcher which apparently automatically downloads to your smartphone of choice and certainly most of the listeners are likely getting our podcast through itunes which you can certainly continue to do but uh, you know we've got the big voicemail tab on the website and i've also been trying to put some links to articles of note so you know you know make it worth your while to check out the website once in a while so Until next time. That'll do, little piggy. That'll do.